0: Hey, ladies, just a heads up. We have a very frank and open conversation on this episode about the body, anatomy, sex, and gender as we talk about the theology of the body. So listener discretion is advised. Here we go. listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm Bree and I'm Rachel. Today we have a book club wrap up day. It's the yeah. book club. <laughs> oh man, this was this was a fantastic book club. We mm. had John Kleinig's Wonderfully Made: A Protestant Theology of the Body. Really great discussion, very interesting discussion, very thought-provoking book jam packed with all kinds of stuff. Rachel, what are we
1: what are we even going to talk about? Mm. <laughs> uh, okay, you guys talked me into doing this book. Thank you for that by the way. It was I great, remember, although
2: some of the conversations
1: were like really, I mean, cool, but a weird. little out of my Street normal of depth and
3: weird.
2: And that's okay.
1: It was freaking yeah, this was, this was as a Lutheran lady, this book presented a few um, uh, strategic challenges, but it was so good and it was so mm-hmm. worth doing. So what we we're talking about this time is John W. Kleinig, the Reverend Dr. John Kleinig, beloved professor emeritus of theology. Oh, he's a retired lecturer at Australian Lutheran College in Adelaide, Australia. Spends a lot of time over in the U.S. lecturing on a variety of subjects very good, has written a commentary, a couple of commentaries for Concordia and the, the esteemed Concordia commentary series. So this book is not a commentary. Thank you for not making us read a commentary yet.
2: <laughs> yet.
1: This one is a little book. It's about 225 pages mm-hmm. called Wonderfully Made, a Protestant Theology of the Body. I'm going to guess this started out maybe like a Lutheran theology of the body and then got expanded because, you know, it's too good to just keep to just Lutherans. But what he does in this book is look at what scripture has to say about the body, starting with how we were created, how we are made up, this are we a are we a soul housed in a body? Are we a body that contains a soul? Where do the mind and the spirit fit in? And of course he says this is all a mystery. But even though he he struggles, I think throughout the book to talk about this, you don't talk about yourself. Your, your body is something separate from you. God mm-hmm. created you as an embodied person. And so what does that mean for us today? Well, all sorts of implications about every hot button topic imaginable from, you know, tattoos to LGBT issues to virtual church is mm-hmm. also, you know, included in this. So So many topics. And I really appreciate it. I found it very refreshing. Dr. Kleinig's very sensible, informed scriptural perspective on all of these things. We've got chapters on the created body, the redeemed body, the spiritual body, which is all about death and resurrection, Mm -hmm. the sexual body, the spousal body, and finally the living body. So I I really enjoyed the opportunity to dig into this topic, Mm -hmm. especially given where we are in the world and in history right now, I think there's so much confusion that it's like a, I don't know, breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. to read this solid, sensible scriptural take on how this all ties in together. And God is at the center. Christ is at the center. Mm -hmm. And it's so good. But
3: that's my
1: take on it. What did you all think?
3: I loved it. I really, I really enjoyed it. I particularly enjoyed the opening part where he really started by talking about us as again with like you were saying with the the whole person and even got into how when we when Adam and Eve sinned initially they they sinned with their whole person like physically emotionally and and spiritually like all all of that was part of that original one mm-hmm. and i also really enjoyed how he I don't know. He gave me a new perspective on how the word is a means of grace and Mm. made it much more. And in some ways I almost feel like he, the way he explained it is almost like a sacramental aspect to the word that Mm. I hadn't really considered before when he talked about how like there is a physical nature to the word. It's Mm. the, you know, if you're, if you are reading it, you know, you're there's literally <laughs> you know you're reading it with your eyes and if you're hearing it you're hearing it as vibrations that mm-hmm. are touching your physical ear. Right. And so there's that physical aspect of it that I hadn't really thought of before and I always associate a physical aspect with a sacrament. And so to to think of that and it's not it's not that it changes it I don't think it diminishes it in any way, but it actually in some ways to me makes it a bit richer, the idea mm. of that physical engagement with the word of God. Meta sacrament. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Word powers the word.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the way it, it does engage with our with our physical bodies in that way mm-hmm. that I hadn't really thought of before
1: that there's nothing we do in the body that doesn't involve yeah. our physicality
3: in yeah. some way. Yeah. Right. Right. I also
1: loved it.
0: Brie and I bought this book like almost at the same time. We did. We the bought the same year. two books at the exact hilarious. same time
2: just about. <laughs> yes. And I'm not ex-
0: entirely sure what I expected it to be, but it was not what I expected it <laughs> to be. I was continually surprised at what he was talking about, either either a, oh my goodness, this is fantastic or a Oh, we're going there. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely.
0: Yeah, there were a few of those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Tell us I, what you
1: really think, Dr. Kleinig.
2: <laughs> yeah, like this is not a bedtime storybook for your children. No, this is definitely no. There are some words I did not expect to be in this book that were mm. in this
0: book. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. I agree with what Erin is saying too. There's, oh, There's just so much like... Packed. It's it's what two hundred and twenty pages, but it does not read like a two hundred and twenty page book. It reads like a four hundred page book. (laughs) There's just so much meat in there. Mm -hmm. I think the two things for me, especially, well, maybe, oh, maybe three things. (laughs) You can have three. It's okay. I can have three things. Uh, First of all, we're
2: doing. You're doing fine. Just go. Go go go.
0: go. Yes.
2: (laughs) Thirteen.
0: His discussion about marriage was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. The way that he described across several chapters. Just the compatibility of of the male and female body, the way that they're they're made to be together both physically but also spiritually and with their vocations and, and all of these different things was just a, this really beautiful picture of what marriage is. I also appreciate how he describes marriage as provisional. It's not mm. something that we will have in the new creation and i think that puts a that puts just a different spin on how we live as husband and wife now and those different ways that we complement each other in our vocations i just i loved how he described that second is it just like hit me even more how countercultural we are in our christian beliefs yeah. about the body like i know that like i know our theology doesn't jive with culture and society like obviously I listen to the news I know all of the what's happening in culture but then reading this book and seeing these things just described very theologically about sexuality and gender and how we view the body it's just like pounding on you like man we are so opposite of culture (laughs) and what we believe and no wonder the world hates us for it Like, (laughs) like we are we are not even on the same playing field with mm-hmm. how we how we view the body and what the body is meant for. And then third, I guess it goes kind of along with that, is just the, the whole Gnostic idea that is so ingrained in our culture and so much mm-hmm. of our idea that the body is bad. Anything spiritual mm-hmm. is good, but the body is not good. And that is also something that we we don't confess at all, that the body is a good thing. Being a human is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And there's so much good that comes out of this because God created us, and He, He said it was very good. So it's just all of these, all of these really good, positive things. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice thing to, mm-hmm. to read all of that and kind of digest it and think about it, uh, because there's just so much negativity that that culture in the world will feed us about mm. about the body and about what all of that
1: means. So yeah, you're right. This isn't a book that you breeze through. This is a book that you digest slowly. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, it and now. he
0: also he also put a little devotion at the beginning of the yes, book. If you haven't lirky. read it yet, yeah. So there's actually like this is meant to be read slowly. He put there's prayer for the life in the body. Mm-hmm. He's got his whole little like use this as a devotion only here's mm-hmm. how you can do it. Right mm-hmm. at the beginning of the book. So
2: mm-hmm. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. There were there were several parts that I think nailed down and sort of communicated effectively where I stand when it comes to things like marriage mm-hmm. and what that means for us as as Lutherans, talking a little bit about our bodies being good despite how how aggressively we try to change the way that we look, mm. um, and so I think that that harkens back to the body positivity episode that we yeah. did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I I think I thought that he would delve a little bit more into that, but I feel like that was sort of an afterthought, which is fine because if that was not if that was not the intention of the book, that's fine. Mm-hmm. He could have gone a little bit deeper, in my opinion. And then there were a couple of sections where I just thought he was kind of reductive. The one that stood out to me in particular, and maybe it's because I feel convicted by the Spirit, but when he says that married couples who can have children but are not having children sort of rejects very defiantly the blessings that God provides for us and you know, Matt and I are kind of in that boat, and so maybe it is a conviction thing. But at the same time, I just, I, I don't know. I, how did you all sort of react to that pass? I, I don't know. I didn't know what to think of it. It didn't make me feel good. That's all I can tell you. It didn't make me feel good either. <laughs> but that's okay, we're,
1: it. It didn't make me feel great either. And I have four children, so. <laughs>
0: I think, I mean, like we were, we were talking about this in our chat that Mm -hmm. there's just, I feel like there's a lot more nuance to those situations than those sentences provided. Mm Because I also feel very convicted by that sentence, those sentences as well. I'm like,
2: dude, course. Seriously.
1: Mm -hmm. Let me, uh, I'm going to just answer your question with a question, Brie. And this is something that Ken and I have wrestled with. And I think a lot of couples have wrestled with. But here's the test. If you were to find out that you and Matt were expecting, would your reaction be, "Oh, please, no," or
2: would it be, "Okay, thank you, Lord"? See, I kind of, and I know this is selfish, but I almost wish that a baby would just show up on our doorstep in a basket, like, mm-hmm. and I would, I would be like, "Yep, this is us now. Come on mm-hmm. in." It's like, a, it's a question
1: of what is your is your posture one of welcoming. The little ones that God would give Mm -hmm. to you? Or is it is it one of saying, No, absolutely not? And you can, I think there's and that's why I think he doesn't go more into this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He drops it, says, Let this work in your conscience, make sure that if you're married or contemplating marriage, that if you are because John Kleinig only has four kids. Let's do the math Mm -hmm. on this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's some things that are unsaid here, but that if you are choosing to delay Having children—is it for the sake of the future children? And it may be, mm-hmm. you know, if you are choosing to space children, is it for the sake of your children you already have? Is it mm-hmm. de- is a decision born out of love and faith, or is it one born out of selfishness? and a desire to you know and it's 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 a tricky line and it's something i will continue to wrestle with Mm -hmm. and i don't want to prescribe anything for anybody Mm -hmm. but i i think i'm very very as much as i wanted to say whoa what are you doing here Mm -hmm. i'm glad he included that Mm -hmm. challenge in the book Mm -hmm. because it is a very good thing for us to all be wrestling with yeah. yeah. Um, That's a good point.
0: And I think so, I get so wrapped up in my own situation that I don't even think about the flip side of that where married people have already have three or four kids. But then the question is, well, when do we stop and why? Right. Yeah. Right.
2: Because I know people who very obviously have not stopped and I'm I just my head spins at it and I'm just like, How? How are you? And and it is. It's it's sort of a It's sort of a lack of faith on my part and sort of questioning because God is always faithful and God provides. And if you're in a position where you have eight kids, like, great, more power to you. Like, go with God. He is faithful. Amen. Thanks be to God for for Mm -hmm. the blessings he's given you. But at the same time, it's like, how does this work out for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would and, also love to just have, you
0: know, all the babies in my household, just
1: putting them on. Right.
2: They can go in my house.
1: I want to I share a line, an exchange from me and a, another one of our, our members whose name I won't share this time. But she had such a wonderful response. I said, basically, what we're all saying, I wish he hadn't like dropped all these one liners mm-hmm. and <laughs> let them go. Me. Like, yes. big mic drops. I wish he'd gone into it more you know everything he there's a lot of things that he does that with not just birth control but like makeup is another one oh that he just God. sort of drops there and she said honestly there are a ton of books that address topics like that and i feel in most circumstances they do more harm than good mm-hmm. why because they start treating the bible as a roadmap for living rather than the mm-hmm. story of god's work in the world yeah. The real theological significance of this book is that it is centered on Christ's work and action. Mm. <laughs> Amen. The realities of living out our lives and in bodies redeemed by Christ are going to be as different and varied as we are. We should definitely continue to discuss these things, but I'm done with prescriptive books on the topics. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's the yeah. thing. He's like tossing all these things out there and we're like, please elaborate. What should we nice. do? He's like, I'm not going to tell you what we should do. I'm <laughs> just going to tell you this is what God's word says. Yeah. And now go and
2: apply it. He takes a so swipe I, at cognitive behavioral therapy and I'm like, come on, bro. Like, yes, it doesn't. I knew you'd notice that. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> it's not
1: a bad thing. Uh, like it's not a bad thing but it's, on its own it's not enough. You're absolutely you have benefited from cognitive th- yep. therapy. Still do in fact. Yes you do. But <laughs> you have benefited more from the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. That yeah. is true. And for you to rely on psychology without also leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus, not you so would great. not find that yeah. fulfilling. It would yeah. not would not be the same. So and I knowing think that, that
2: boundary is is important.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let the psychologists do what they do, but don't right. ask them to do what only Christ can do. Amen.
2: Yeah. That's a good point.
3: Well, you, you can decide if you might end up not keeping this. But anyway, I was just saying, I would, <laughs> as the one who's neither married nor with kids or anything. Yes, I want your perspective yeah. on yes. this. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> Like, I read that and I did not feel an immediate, uh, you know, striking me to the core of my spirit because that's not my situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I looked at it and I was more like, I'm like, well, it says married couples who can have children. And I was like, well, what does it mean to can? Okay. Like yeah. what, what is that? That's where I went with it. I'm like, does it just mean physically only physically or is there more to mm-hmm. can have children mm-hmm. than just. It's biologically possible for them. I don't know, but that—that's yeah. sort of Good what I. Good point. Without, without feeling that personal emotional aspect of it, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's how I read it and uh, responded. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So appreciate mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Keep that in. Don't take it out. Put it in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So we're going to, I think I know where we all sort of stand on the book now. I, rather than doing what we normally do and each pick a question and talk about it, because some of these questions were just very different kinds of things than we sometimes do. This is a very different book than we usually do. So it required a different sort of approach in the book club discussion, but I would love it if everybody would pick one topic from the book that you want to dive into we've already talked about birth control so we can't do that one again
2: <laughs> off the table
1: <laughs> but if there's something that the book touched on that you at first maybe were like huh, i didn't think that had something to do with body theology but i totally see how it fits let's mm-hmm. talk about it so everybody gets to pick one or maybe two topics that you would like to discuss in a little bit further depth especially in perspective of what Kleinig has to say
2: So something for me that is top of mind for the simple fact that we are in our Bible study at Matt's Vicarage Church has been since August of last year, the book of Mm -hmm. Ephesians. Nice. We are taking our sweet time on it, and I'm not sure we're going to finish it before he's done. That's okay. Slow but, Bible studies are the best Bible studies. <laughs> they really are. are you don't, don't want to rush either. those. <laughs> Correct. It's basically one to two verses every week. That's but anyway, awesome. we are currently going over the section where Paul is talking about wives submit to your husbands, yes. husbands mm-hmm. submit to your wives, and so as Clini is talking about, love your wives. He never says husband, submit. Love your. I'm sorry. Yeah. Love your wives. Okay. Remember, I just whatever. Yeah. I no. Done, that's done the good. Same thing <laughs> So the way that that Kleinig sort of describes how men and women interact with each other and sort of the role of husband and wife. I keep having this the whole like thinking about Christ and the church and the church being the bride of Christ and uh, the husband sort of serving, being subservient, subservience, maybe not the right word, but like serving the wife, basically. Mm-hmm. Having a capacity to basically sacrifice himself mm-hmm. for the person that he's that he's married to. And I think yeah. that we sort of lose that notion as we talk about marriage in the church versus, I guess, what I would call secular marriage mm-hmm. and like other sorts of alternatives that he talks about. But it is interesting because when you think of the Protestant theology of the body, like I thought, okay, this is going to be all about me and all about my body, and that's going to be it. But he spends probably more time talking about relationships and the significance (laughs) of of marriage and sex within the confines of marriage. I mean, that really that stood out to me, and I think that that also kind of speaks to the fact that we. We have a God that loves us, that wants us to be relational and in community with each other. And mm-hmm. for those of us who are married, sort of in the bounds of a good and wholesome relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's what I keep thinking about is is my marriage and how we can how Matt and I can better reflect what God has planned for us. And so yeah. That's me right now.
1: It's good. When I was a young woman, I struggled so much with that word submit. Yep. It sounds so awful. Like you're just Mm -hmm. saying, you know, groveling and saying, put your boot on my head, please. Right. (laughs) But no, it's so not that especially. But Mm -hmm. if you take it out of context, if you just take it, take the word out of the passage and the passage out of the larger context, Mm -hmm. it is that way. And yet, when you look at what the man, what the what the husband is called to do, you're like, oh, yeah, I could submit to that. And also, his job is way harder. Yep. Because his job is to be like Christ, to sacrifice himself, to care, to you know, basically to put his wife's needs first.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And if someone is putting your needs first, it would be a really foolish thing not to submit to that. Right.
2: Right. And joyfully so. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Joyfully. Oh, yeah. There are times it's a little awkward. Like really? Are you sure I deserve this sort of, like, treatment? But, okay, fine, I'll submit. It's um, in the Bible,
2: Rachel, of course!
1: <laughs> and then, and, and I notice I said needs, not wants, by the way,
2: yeah, people. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you are not the queen of your marriage.
2: <laughs> Foot rubs are not on the list of needs. They Sorry. might be. They might okay, be. I'm They're
1: all me. grace. Foot rubs are grace. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Put that I I really appreciated your comments in the book club and I remember I read everything you write about how we sort of fall into this trap of thinking that if you're married you it's impossible as long as you're faithfully married not committing adultery it's impossible to commit sexual sin. Oh yeah, mm. that comment. Yeah. And that's not true. No. But even within married we within marriage we are called to chastity. Yep. Yep, to loving and respecting and not mistreating our bodies yep. mm-hmm. through our, our sexuality. And I guess that mm-hmm. was that sort of leads into the topic, one of the two topics that I, I'll come back to the other one a little bit. One of the two topics that I want to discuss in a little bit greater depth, and that is this notion of chastity. Yes. And this is a word that I'm going to use a lot going forward with my children in, in church and in my conversations, because it is so useful. When mm-hmm. I was growing up, I took a virginity pledge. It was a big thing in my Baptist high school at the time. And like, that was all the focus, Mm. physical virginity thing to be preserved at all costs. Mm. Yeah. And this of course leads to some issues when you got married because you're like, well, my virginity is holy and now I'm married. Am I losing something holy? Mm. Mm. And that can create some real tension in a marriage if both the man and the woman, woman have been, have been taught to believe that this, this virginity is this perfect thing that they're giving up but and it's also a physical thing it's a physical thing not really with a whole lot of i mean yes there's spiritual spiritual aspects of it but it refers to a physical reality and the 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 most important thing is that once you lose it you can't get it back right Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but this notion of chastity which is what kleinig emphasizes throughout the book is that it's a it's a way of whole life holiness Mm -hmm. in regard to your sexuality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That when you are not married, you are celibate. You are being like Jesus. Mm -hmm. You are, you know, protecting your body from all sorts of sins. Mm -hmm. When you are married, you're faithful, just like Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And in either case, you are living a chaste life. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and that that is the goal. And if you lose your virginity, if you lose your chastity, by God's grace, you can regain it. Mm-hmm. You can step back on that way and say, okay, from here forward, I will aim, strive for chastity, which is a, the virtue. And I really, really like that way of thinking about it. It says that whether I'm single or whether I'm married, I have an opportunity to live out God's plan. Mm-hmm. And both are good.
0: Yeah, my comment to the effect was that when I was young and naive and about to get married, when I was like twenty-one, you know, from the just from like catechesis growing up, it's like, oh yeah, sixth commandment, you know, don't commit adultery. Well, that means when I'm married, well, that it. off k- the table. Right, yeah, yeah, I'll be married, no problem, right? Right. Except it's, it, sixth it, it, commandment done. done. Check. Yes, <laughs> that is not. It's like the people who get married works. so they can have sex, <laughs> right? Which, were that's part of it. But like sexual sin when you're married is a whole different so boat real. So than, real. than sexual sin before you're married. Because now you have this other person that you also like you're one flesh after you get married. So if you were committing sexual sin, mm-hmm. you know, and not even like not, not even like going and cheating on your husband, like that's a whole different thing. But just like thoughts. Right. that just pop into your head even, even like, they're affecting your marriage at that right. point it's
2: not just you <laughs> well, even even lusting <laughs> after right. your husband yeah right like, which it's, the world so like they just embrace that they would say oh that's very wholesome like lusting after your husband versus somebody else yeah. right like you're such a prude but it's like even that is There's counted just... as as brokenness. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's a whole different thing that I did not expect to
0: encounter when I Mm -hmm. was young and naive at 21 and yeah, it was just this whole thing. I also, I'm I'm totally jiving with you, Rachel. I really Mm -hmm. appreciate the chastity as like this Fuller explanation of mm-hmm. the sixth commandment and what it actually means to lead a sexually pure and decent life. Because mm-hmm. when you're a right. teenager, you never really get into what that means mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's weird for thirteen year olds to yes. like fully understand what that means. Mm-hmm. It's very cringy,
1: as they would say.
0: Yeah, so like you don't really talk about it. Which, whatever, I, you know, it is what it is at that point. But this this idea of chastity as being not just what you physically do with your body. But also the thoughts and words and, and those types of things that also fall under the sixth commandment mm-hmm. of leading a sexually pure and decent life in, in every aspect. Mm-hmm. I think I love that that is just, it makes it a lot more clear of of what is expected of you and what falls under that. And it almost, I don't know if it's easier, it just it just feels, a, I, I like the box that that is rather than the... Oh well, I'm not committing adultery, so I, I'm fine. Like I think I don't
2: that that purity culture, some, <laughs> yes. I, it has a tendency to idolize virginity. Yes, that's the other thing that comes. And into so, this, for sure, when you think of it less as I need to keep my virginity intact because that's the most important thing, but instead look at yeah. it as this is the plan that God has for me, and in, in living a, and chaste living is outlined in the bible like we know what that looks like yeah. right and mm-hmm. so by living that god-pleasing life you are living that chaste life mm-hmm. without and having the to effects will look the
1: same you will if you're living that chaste life, be a virgin when you get married. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. effects are the same, but the emphasis, right. the focus is different. Right.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think with purity culture too, because the emphasis is on virginity, mm-hmm. it almost gives, you feel like you have license to do other things that don't affect your virginity necessarily, right. but are still wrong mm-hmm. if you're after a chaste life. Like there's this, I don't know, it, yeah. like, it almost gives you yeah. too much leeway to think if you're- you, If you look
1: fine. at the sixth commandment, and you, uh, your immediate thought is, well, okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Ch- yeah, chances Ch- are I'm you're not watched. reading it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Somebody else. What's another topic we oh, need yeah. to talk
3: uh, So my topic, and this flows right in what you're discussing, because the whole concept of chasteness as our way of living this out applies to both married people and single people. And yeah. for me, yes, I... For those of you who have not read this book yet, <laughs> there is there is a really excellent section in there. I really appreciated how he dealt with singleness. Yeah. Like I have, I have loads of loads of sections highlighted within that section in my in my Kindle and I did almost like
2: highlight the whole section.
3: Like, Raise up my arms! Like yes, yes. <laughs> Jesus, it's so good. It's so, good. <laughs> so I mean, he does. He talks about the fact that you know, marriage is not the only way that Christian men and women resemble him. My God, <laughs> I know. I'm just like ah, with what you guys were talking about earlier with the whole idea of married people who do not have families, who do not have children, not have families, who do not have children. Mm-hmm. That the whole married couples with children it really is it in many ways it's held up in protestant culture and and lcms culture yep. i think especially yes as this is the ideal this yep. is this is the way and if you're not this way you'll want to be that way someday and if you don't there's something wrong with you and yes. if you can't yep. There's something wrong with you and maybe it's a sad thing or maybe it's a shameful thing, but either way, yeah. <laughs> there's something wrong and it's mm-hmm. it's not to be celebrated. Yeah. And I really appreciate it. I mean, he says the single life is not Abnormal. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's not uncommon. It is normal and common. were their there exclamation points? <laughs> I know. There <laughs> weren't, but I highlighted it. So <laughs> <External> <laughs>
2: emphasis.
3: Uh, yes. Uh he says the single life serves its own God-given purpose yep. and has its own beauty. Its importance receives far too little attention in the church. Yes. He went on, and I was just like, "I am seen. It's amazing. It was very yeah. So I mean, again, he also did point out the whole idea that marriage is a provisional.
1: Oh, I loved that.
3: Yeah, I honestly that isn't something I had thought of. But again, the idea that we do all start out as single individuals, and we all have a single identity our entire lives. You don't, you don't lose that when you are married mm-hmm. and the whole idea that in heaven that is something i have have wondered about like how does how will that be different in heaven yeah and yeah anyway i really appreciated that yeah. i appreciated the the emphasis that he put also that single people have a significant part to play in christian communities they remind us that the church is god's holy family rather than a than an association of families and married couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are yeah. in the church. Our primary relationship to each other is as brothers and sisters. Yes. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and that God is the head of that family, and it's not our primary relationship in that church. Is not as our own individual family relating to each other, but as individuals relating to each other as as siblings yeah. and. Yeah no it was it was it's a lovely section so those of you who have not read it if there are single people re- listening to this highly encourage you to read it particularly for that chapter it's not even a very long chapter but it's worth it mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's great yeah uh, so i did really appreciate that yeah
0: i loved that part because when i was a young married person i think it was hard for me to know what my single identity like i got so wrapped up in in being a wife, Mm -hmm. that I like lost who I was as a single person. And I really appreciated Mm -hmm. that explanation of like, you don't lose, like you're still a single, you have your singular identity Mm -hmm. within marriage. And it's actually those singular identities as married people is what makes marriage such an awesome thing that these Mm -hmm. two people with their very particular identities are then together, and then they work together really well because of who they are as people. I don't know. It's
2: really I cool. I had a different issue, I think, when I first got married, and I think that it likens to his reference about home, where your first home is your family with, like, your parents and yeah. your siblings. Your second home is your home with your spouse. Yep. And then your third home is heaven. Yeah, I think for me, when I got married, I was still very much living in that first home. Mm-hmm. Like, if i were to take sides and i will admit this my husband's aware of it if i were to take sides with somebody like i would align myself with what my first what my first home people would say mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's helpful to make that distinction that without losing who you are as an individual to say okay love you love you fam love you mom and dad love you siblings but like this is my new family now
0: yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah I also really appreciated what what you were saying with the singleness and how we relate to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. I think mm-hmm. that section talking about just those relationships as individuals and having Christian friendship. This has come up in our Bible studies yes. before of just how incredibly important it is for Christian people to have Christian
3: friends mm-hmm.
0: because, like, yes. that's our tribe. Like those are right, our people. Right. Mm-hmm. Being able to rely on each other and to go to each other with things. To have people outside, if whether you're single or you're married. Having those people outside of your own home right. that you can rely on that will care for you when you need it is just like so stinking important. Mm. And it's really hard to do Right for whatever reason. It's just hard well, to make
2: friends. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. that one of the things that he brought that I brought up that I think was, was very helpful is this sort of notion of people of the opposite sex cannot be friends just friends oh, like yeah, there's yeah. always mm. has to be something yeah. more to that and it's like there's
1: always tension right yeah there's, there well, and increasingly today difficult. for young people people of the same sex yeah they so, struggle with some of uh, that too because I mean, there's I mean, this I mean, expectation that if you are you have really no one, close like, to somebody friends with
3: anyone right. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> everyone's you off you limits. You so I, I feel like this is something that we have even in the lutheran church we have mm-hmm. acquiesced to this cultural yeah. notion yeah, you're right. that yeah. if you are friends with someone of the opposite sex and you're always seen with this person obviously there's something going on yeah. behind closed doors that we just don't know about and yeah. i think there's an obsession there that has effectively broken down the opportunity for opposite sex just f- straight up wholesome opposite sex friendship like mm-hmm. Because yeah. we do it in the church too. Yep. Yeah. In fact, yeah. We're, we're probably the greatest culprits of perpetuating that. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and someone someone pointed out
1: in our discussion that making friends at church is hard too because there's this notion that church friends may be faking it. Yeah. They've they've gotta like you because Jesus said so. They don't actually like you. Yeah. And so the and they're probably actually secretly judging you because of course church people are judgy. Right. Of course. And that's that's something, please. Church friends, church ladies, church everybody, let's get over this. <laughs> <laughs> because we need yeah. those Christian friends. We need to make ourselves vulnerable. Yeah. We yeah. need people who the thing we most have in common with them is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? And If you want to love me just because Jesus loves me, I'll take that. (laughs) And I will try to do the same back. And yes, I may sometimes struggle with being a sinful human being in our relationship, but I want to be able to look you in the face and say, I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Yeah, let's have a pot
2: We're potluck. Just best friends, yeah,
1: yes. we just did. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's something because we need about that. We need that, and that ties into the other thing I want to talk about, which is virtual reality. Oh, um, yeah. uh, oh this is <laughs> yes. I gotta be in my bonnet about this and have had for a long time.
0: Oh boy. Get on your soapbox, Rachel. Here we go. <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> oh.
2: Stop. Here no, it is. he
1: says, he says straight out, virtual church just won't do. Mm-hmm. For the reason being, you are not a mind floating around in a body that you can detach your mind, plunk it into the internet, and have it go around and do your thing for you. You are not an avatar.
2: I'm so glad that's not the case. Yeah. Yep.
1: You are an embodied person. Body, mind, soul, spirit. And your relationships should be embodied. Your worship should be embodied. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you are longing for that full yeah. body experience of life. And the Internet just doesn't give you that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is embodied. Everything is embodied, as Aaron said earlier. It just involves your eyeballs and your fingers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So just let that sink in. And I know there are some I know there are some people out there who are still primarily virtual churching it after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I know some people out there who are shut-ins and can't go to church, and I'm so sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you can, you're going to, oh, it's so good. Don't yeah. miss out.
2: It goes back um, to, to a relational God.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think and, in the last year and a half, two, two, how long has this been going on? Two years plus. Two years. Mm-hmm. Pl- I, it still feels like
2: Two, two and a half years.
0: Anyway, since this whole yeah. thing started, I think a lot of us have realized how important it is to be yes. together in church. We I, did, I don't think we really collectively appreciated that before just because it was what we what we always we did. I took it we for were. granted. Yeah, yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden when stuff went down, we were like, Oh, this is this is not good. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. not good yeah. to not mm-hmm. be together. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, also it's it was a very interesting thing coming through on the other side of it, even though pandemic isn't actually over yet mm-hmm. but seeing this this difference in how sacramental versus non-sacramental churches are now yeah. exploring this idea of virtual church and how more sacramental churches like lutheran and catholic orthodox are much more adamant about mm-hmm. church having to be in person because mm-hmm. of what we believe about the sacraments mm-hmm. and we're like mm-hmm. well we, we need to be in person Real because this presence. is what we believe right and then non-sacramental churches that don't believe those things about real presence are like no we can totally do it virtually cuz we can just all be together virtually like we do symbolism else. so it's it's a very interesting i mean it, it was kind of that way before but it's it, the the lines have been drawn of even even more so
2: mm. in that separation of sacramental versus
0: non-sacramental
2: i do also think too if when we're talking about pandemic i think some people who are still stuck in that virtual world, whether they're worried about COVID or they lack the confidence to go back out there and start going to church. Like, I am also seeing contingents of folks who want to socialize and be around other people more than ever. I think that's mm-hmm. sort of where I'm at in life where, yeah. you know, before before twenty twenty, I think I took my social life for granted. Yeah. I took my relationships for granted. And yeah. now that now that I know that it's entirely possible to be holed up in my house for two years straight. Yeah. Like, I want to make the most out of those relationships that I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gotten my introverted self to actually make efforts to right. be physically with people.
0: <laughs> yes. even <if> it's exhausting.
1: <laughs> it, yeah. Like, I actually am yeah. making efforts to
0: yeah. be with people physically yeah, right. because it's so important.
1: And you know what? I am even though I'm so glad that technology allows us to have this conversation when I'm in Connecticut and you guys are all in St. Louis. Let's all just say this is the ideal. No. How much better would it be if we were all physically present in the same room? It'd be so much better. I'm thankful to God for the technology that allows us to connect in some way. But it is a lie if you say that it is just as good.
2: No, because it's it's not not. Connecticut. I can
1: call my mom and have a great Mm -hmm. conversation with her. Not the same.
3: Yeah. As sitting
1: in the kitchen with her over a cup of coffee. Yep. Even if we're having the exact same conversation. It's not the
3: same. You don't even have to be having a conversation. Yeah. You can just be sitting together and that is the proximity satisfying in itself. Yes, The physical Mm -hmm.
2: proximity. It is.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's an energy, not to get yeah. all weirdy spooky on you, but
2: hmm. but there is. That's very hippie of you, Rachel. I'm <laughs> proud know, of you. I know, I
1: know. Forget I said that. <laughs>
2: Ranola mom. <laughs> I love you
3: know, it. one thing that he did not talk about, and I actually at first I was a little taken aback, but I decided I, I appreciated the fact that he didn't go into it. So he talked a lot about there are males and females. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is There are some unique differences there. He talked a lot about that. However, he did not try and go in and assign a lot, like get into what is masculine and what is feminine. And at first I was sort of surprised that he didn't try and do more defining of that. But then I appreciated it because I think that's actually part of what our struggle is right now Mm. with, with gender of trying to say this, well, if, if this thing is what masculine is and, and if I feel that way, then that means Mm. I must not actually be what my body says I am or, or vice versa Mm -hmm. and trying to tie those things together. And he doesn't, he doesn't get into that. He leaves it as there are, there are distinct Elements, but he doesn't try and define them by personality traits Mm. or those sort Mm. of characteristics. And I did really appreciate that he didn't try and and go in Mm. there and say, oh, this is what it means to be to be female. Oh, it means you Mm. are you are loving and caring and super kind. And men aren't that way. And that's how we know we're different.
2: Uh, He didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I feel like this was another section where he was kind of reductive. Mm and I, I i feel like the whole the whole like gender dysphoria discussion like pronouns i don't understand it and maybe i want to understand it but it's just like there's something deeper that in like instead of just saying oh you have a penis but you think you're a woman like there's more there's got to be more to it than that than just sort of describing it in that way Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah like
3: and i'm I'm not saying i feel like he did the whole thing well i just appreciated that particular aspect of how he he did try and talk about it is he didn't try and get into personality traits assigning them to be masculine or feminine and saying this is what this is what it means to be a man this is what it means to be a woman. Yeah. And that sort of thing. So
1: I think yeah. he might have been a reticent about that because he didn't want to say more than scripture says. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Which yeah. I really appreciate because scripture says a lot about what it means to be a man and a woman. But there's also a lot it doesn't say. Yeah. 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 You know, it tells, for example, it, it encourages women to dress modestly. It doesn't say what that looks like. Yep. Except for that one thing we
2: talked about a couple months ago. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before I said the word penis on the show, by the way.
1: <laughs> mm. She did it again. Oh no! <laughs> Going three for three. <laughs> no.
2: Just the well, thought popped in my head. You know, I think
1: it's good to use clinical terminology where possible. It's, it's more true. respectful. It's true. Um, so, where were we? Oh, I don't know. I derailed
2: it. Sorry. I think I still need we to. We were know. talking about male, oh, gender I'm roles. Just- <laughs>
1: gender roles. There's so much talk in society about the gender is a socially constructed thing. Right. Right. And he would say, no, gender is a God-constructed thing. Or let's mm-hmm. actually call it, speaking about clinically appropriate words, let's mm-hmm. call it what it is. Sex is mm-hmm. a God, as in sex differences. Yeah. And I think that might be one reason. I, no offense, church ladies, but I think we might be complicit in this little problem here. Mm-hmm. Because for a long time, we wanted to talk okay. about gender when what we really meant was biological sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we didn't want to say the word out loud, so we just said gender. Yeah, and our delicacy caused this sort of distinction to widen. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I, and I think it was Pastor Hans Feeney, in a so in a social media post a couple of years, a while ago, like years ago, it just stuck out to me. He he pointed out that this disdain for talking as uh, this prudishness using mm. using the concepts of biological sex in polite society might have open the door a crack for what we're seeing now.
2: Mm-hmm. And so that
1: gave me a lot to chew about. Mm-hmm. I can't say for sure that it was Pastor Feeney, but I'm pretty sure it was Pastor Feeney. But if it wasn't Pastor Feeney, Pastor Feeney, I'm sorry. Um,
2: <laughs> it was Why do exactly what you didn't just say? Like, every a diametric opposite of what you just
1: said. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> womp womp. So, yeah. I think being careful with our language and using the right word for a thing not the one that makes us less squeamish mm-hmm. is probably the right thing to do, and I really struggle with this because I like mm-hmm. my delicacy, I like my linguistic modesty, as it mm-hmm. were. How I, about I don't some
2: exposure therapy right now, Rachel. <laughs> sex. <laughs> sex, sex, oh, think... no! okay, sex. Okay, thank you. Sex.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go now and take
1: it in a totally different. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, We will talk about sex. Sex. Because <laughs> there's a lot more in this book besides that. There's more yeah, to yes, in your bodies. Totally,
2: totally. We all,
1: all right. focus on that part, but we there's so much more. So let's talk about Jesus. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> oh. Yes, let's yeah. talk about Jesus.
0: <laughs> so in addition to everything we've already talked about and all the other stuff that this book contains, one of the things that just like walloped me on the head that was just, I love how he explains it is Jesus ascension, mm. bodily ascension, Yes, because mm-hmm. it's still, it's just like, my mind cannot handle bodily ascension and Jesus is now bodily present somewhere. Yes and yet also in the sacrament everywhere like it just he's not that big my brain he's a man in this like in the best way possible because i'm like i'm never gonna understand it and that's cool no Um,
1: but it's oh and incarnate cool the incarnation too yeah our god Uh, took on flesh and became this embodied human being with us and then when he left he took his body with him. How does mm-hmm. that even work? It's not. And like, you know what? That's the perfect. promise that he's going to do the same for us. Because if he could do. Yeah. He's
0: like, ah, outside next
2: maximum science. It's
1: mind blowing and I love it. Absolutely. And
0: there's just, I don't know. I was not into like fantasy, fantasy media at all growing up. I didn't really get into it until I got married because my husband loves like fantasy stuff. Or like space-time continuum, like there's mm, two different multiverse uh, th- yeah, like multiverse stuff where like there's two different timelines going on at the same time and my brain just explodes trying guess, to think about it. Correct. But I appreciate watching some of that stuff now because I mean I still can't wrap my my brain around Mm-mm. it. But all of these concepts of things that aren't physically possible, like I can kinda I can kind of be like, oh yeah. I watched this one thing where this this other thing happened that I also can't wrap my brain around, but like, this is real, like this is real life (laughs) (laughs) and it's happening and Jesus is bodily ascended. And also, and I I like how he said that the ascension was necessary for this to happen because when Christ was on earth with his disciples, he was physically present with his disciples Mm -hmm. and that was Mm -hmm. it. But when he ascended, he is now able to be bodily present everywhere or mm-hmm. anywhere, wherever yep. he wants to be. And so he's able to be at all these different places at the same time with his body and blood in the sacrament, is, yep. as we confess, because he is bodily ascended, like, mind-blowingly awesome. And he's
2: also in communion. It's just so cool.
0: I love it. And I love how he explains it, too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's... Ugh. Okay. Last okay. thoughts, anyone? Like... <laughs> obviously there's a lot in this book so much much.
2: there's so much (laughs) if you haven't read this book you should definitely read it you should definitely read it yeah you want
1: more like this go get that but are we ready to close the book and talk about what's coming next ready here we go here we go (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) lol i didn't hear it could you do it again i can do it again ready louder the there st- you go. There's a good the, the, the the strepitus yes! at the end. <laughs> 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 that would be our Good Friday episode, no, you all, no, yeah. if you didn't under, don't know yet what a strepidus is. It's uh, not strep throat, even though it sounds like it. It does. <laughs> ah,
2: strepitis. <laughs> <laughs> strepitus. Anyway. Sorry. Okay.
1: So What's next, we Rachel? To, we need to pick a new book. And often, I will give you guys, like, choices of genres Mm -hmm. and book types and actual books and, you know, put the power in your hands. Mm -hmm. But I seem to recall last time we picked a book, you all, like, ganged up on me and told me we're reading this book. And thank you for that. Good job. Uh, It was a great book. Perfect choice. Yes. Um, But I feel like some retribution is in order.
3: Fine. Ah, (laughs) Fine.
1: (laughs) All right. This time I'm taking all the power in my hands and I'm just going to tell you what we're reading. And I don't think you'll hate it. I really don't. A little backstory first. A year or two ago, I was approached by Dr. Paul Grimm up at Concordia Theological Seminary to provide an advanced comment, endorsement, a blurb, I don't know what happened to it. I did send it in, but a a blurb (laughs) for a book that was being published by Concordia Theological Seminary Press called Bright Valley of Love by Edna Hong. And at first I was like, oh, this is a lot of work for nothing, you know, to read a book and craft a comment on it. But I picked up the book and I read the first chapter and then I read the second chapter and then I read all the chapters and it's a really good book. This book originated in, it was originally published in 1976. Hmm. It is a true story, although it is it has been, I think, lightly fictionalized because, of course, it's not a direct transcript of everything that happened. So, Hmm. based on a true story of a handicapped child who found a haven of love in Nazi Germany. Hmm. Because, of course, we all know Nazi Germany was not a great place for uh, people with disabilities. So... This is a really, really warm, wonderful book. If you thought "Wonderfully Made" was a little challenging and had to read it slowly, I don't think you'll find that with this one. So it should be a nice—we'll call it a Lutheran ladies' beach read. Mm-hmm. Yes, In I love it. That it's a, yeah, it's a, this. it's a lighter, faster-paced read. I think some of my kids would probably enjoy it. But it tells this wonderful story of faith about this special place—a Christian community for the physically and mentally impaired. And what happened to it when the Nazis came to power, through the perspective of a neglected child named Gunter, who Gunther. grows up in love the community. Him. Yes. So, does that sound okay? Do yes. You guys, like, I love still it. Love
2: me. It nice little palate cleanser after mm-hmm. this one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and yet, we still yes. have. We still have faith. We still have Christ. And we still have life issues. So we're not going that far away.
2: Nope. No. There's a
1: lot, I think, in Wonderfully Made that will inform the way we read Ooh. Bright Valley of Love.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yes. Love it. So that'll be our book for next time. I promise I'll put some more power back in your hands at some point in the future. Yeah. Unless, unless it goes to my head. Maybe. Yeah. So anyway, our book is Bright Valley of Love by Edna Hong originally released 1976 but republished in 2021 from Concordia Theological Seminary Press and it is available you'll be glad to hear in paperback, Kindle and audiobook,
2: all of the ones. Yes, yes
1: all of the ones. So I don't know if you'll be able to find it in Hoopla but Sarah, I'm sure if anyone can you can.
0: <laughs> you know I haven't I haven't looked yet. Okay. Audiobook. I'm going to go look really quick. That is going to be not available, at least for me.
1: (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) But that's okay. Okay. Not in Hoopla, but definitely it is a very listenable audiobook. (laughs) Yes.
2: Very great.
1: Yeah. I'm excited. I'm super. Okay. Great. I cannot wait. I'm excited about this one. I was excited about the last one. I am glad that there are enough books to be excited about that we can keep doing this. Yes.
0: Yes. Very exciting. All right, so our next book club book, Bright Valley of Love by Edna Hong, available in formats that will suit your reading style.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes, indeed. And
0: uh, Um, you'll post the event for this in our Facebook group, if you're new to Book Club, we do this in the Facebook group. It is asynchronous, which means we don't have to be all together all at one time. Makes it a little bit easier to do it online. So there will be an event in our Facebook group. Lutheran Ladies Lounge will even pin it to the top of the group mm-hmm. so you can easily find it. All of the discussion will happen in that event. So it kind of stays all in one place. And that'll be September 9th we will be dropping the episode.
1: Episode. So a week before. Think first week of September. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, this will will
0: be a great Labor Day read. Or last week of August.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. My kids go back to school. All right. End of August. Have the book read and we will talk about it and there will be good things to say.
0: There we go. So you can join our group on Facebook for book club and also all things Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Tons of great discussion. There's just so much that happens in that group. So find us there on Facebook, Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. If you aren't on social media and you still want to be involved in the Ladies Lounge, you can join our e-newsletter, goes out about once a month. You can find out how to do that in the show notes for this episode, or you can send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org. You can find all of our episodes at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge, or on the KFUO radio app, or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah.
2: I'm Aaron. I'm really trying to overcome the temptation to say a <laughs> word that rhymes with <laughs> schmecks instead of my usual witty quip. <laughs> mm.
1: And I'm backing slowly away. <laughs> From the time of Moses 3,500 years ago, the Church has been adorning her sacred spaces at the instruction of the Lord. Ad Crucem seeks to continue this tradition to the best of our ability, as we create beautiful things to point us to Christ crucified for sinners. See our posters, greeting cards, artwork and banners, each proclaiming the good work that our Lord has
3: done for us. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.
0: Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in The Lutheran Ladies Lounge.
2: Did you want to so, say something? Sorry, you earlier. Just, yes, you did. You wanted to jump in. And I just And we all cut, cut you, you off. off. All of us. <laughs>